Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Norma. And I'm Priscilla. And you're listening to... Es el misterio para mí. Welcome back, everyone. Yes, welcome back to part two. Part thanks two. for tuning in. Yes, thanks so much, guys. We've gotten a lot of good, positive reviews so far. I'm going to try not to get too close to the mic, though, because I don't know. Did you listen to the last episode, Norma? I did not. Norma is afraid to hear her own voice. I do not like the sound of my voice. Yeah. I, I'm listening to it in real time, everyone, so... Yeah, and she okay. she feels like that one or two times is enough in real time. But I'm like, I don't know, I have OCD. I listen to it like at least three times before I put it up, which is kind of crazy. Anyways, I just listened back to the intro we did for today's episode. And do I really laugh like that? Like, yes, you do. That's my real laugh? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am horrified. <laughs> I'm horrified. Okay. Enough of that. But we do appreciate everyone's support and make sure you guys continue listening because the episodes just get crazier. And if you want to be a little bit paranoid, this is a show for you. So anyways, last week's episode, we talked a little bit about Tamara's life and the timeline of events before stopping at the part about her funeral. And then... Today, we're doing part two. We're going to wrap up the timeline, dive into the theories about her murder, and then tell you guys a little bit about what's going on with the case at this point in time. Okay, so let's go back to the funeral, which was in early May of 2003. So I got some text messages about this because, well, Ryan texted me. Oh, okay. It was like, who texted you? (laughs) Ryan texted me. He's our brother. And he was just like, first of all, I love the Dragon Ball Z reference. Of course he did. Mm -hmm. And then he acts like, he just also said the cliffhanger, like, I want to know, like, who was it at the funeral? So we told you guys that Mama Brenda had told, you know, Dad, the Reverend, Mm -hmm. that there was someone present at the funeral who had beat up Tamara. Well, Grandma Bertha spilled the tea to the article, like, to, I mean, to M Live, they're in some sort of newspaper. And Grandma Bertha basically said that Little D was the one who gave Tamara two black eyes just days before her death. So oh, I really? feel like, oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. Grandma Bertha just spilled all the tea. Hmm. So with Grandma Bertha saying this, now I'm pretty convinced that it was Little D who was at right. her funeral. And I would love to watch the tape. And there was one website online that kind of had this like link that said, click here to watch the tape. And there was no tape. There was no tape. There was no tape. So what happened to the tape? So, okay. I mean, are we surprised? The tape was lost by police. 
because the reverend did end up handing it over, but it was lost. So he didn't make another copy? So it seems like he did. If this news site, I mean, it was pretty reputable. Okay. You know, and they said that they had it, but maybe like, I don't know, maybe the video is down. It just wasn't there Hmm. when I looked, so. Interesting. But speaking of missing evidence, I think that's a great segue into the theories surrounding Tamara's murder. So there's three that we're going to be talking about today. First is that it was an unintended shooting and that basically Big E was supposed to be the intended target. Right. Okay. But the shooter in that theory is still Little D, Derek King. The second theory is that Tamara was the intended target and that Little D still the shooter in this case. Mm. And the last theory, number three, is that it was a hit possibly issued by the Kilpatricks, but carried out by a police officer. Okay, so which one of those theories has to do with the investigation? Well, the actual murder investigation comes up in pretty much all of them, but the third theory with like the whole cover-up possibility is where we're going to hear more about the investigation. But I guess since you brought it up, I might as well give like a quick background about it. That way I don't confuse people. So... Marianne Stevenson was a female detective on the force for 20 plus years at this point, and she was one of the main detectives on the case. The other person investigating was Lieutenant Alan Bowman, and he was on the on the force for like 30 plus years. Um, The Casey Marks book focuses heavily on Marianne Stevenson specifically. She was determined to solve this case. That was the vibe I got also reading this book, but she was unable to do so. A lot of what I learned about Marianne's work on the case came from reading articles and from reading like about her depositions and lawsuits. Hmm. So I don't know if I mentioned this last episode, but there was a ton of lawsuits that were filed after Tamara's death that are all somewhat linked to her death. So I'm going to focus on three of the more important ones. So in 2005, Lieutenant Alan Bowman, he sues. Again, he was one of the investigators on her case. Right. He sued because he was demoted by the police station. So he was demoted for carrying out this investigation? Yes. So he was demoted, and he says it's because he was getting too close to solving Tamara Green's case. I mean, he sued and he won. He won $200,000. I feel like that says a lot. That says a lot. You're going to pay out. I mean, sometimes they pay out to shut people up. Right. Right? But... But at the same time, I don't know. This dude has been on the force for like 30 years at this point. Would he really like bring a suit just to, I mean, he has a healthy retirement account, I'm sure at this point. Like what's right. the purpose in bringing the suit if it's not true, right? Right, yeah. Um. So yeah, he was demoted. So then in 2006 slash 2007, around there, Tamara's family sues. And they sue for obstruction of justice. Basically saying... Y'all got in the way of doing a proper investigation, and this is why her murder was never solved. Okay. As they should. As they should. I feel like they said, if we can't get them in criminal court, we gonna cash them outside in (laughs) in civil court. Okay? How about that? And they did. 
But actually, they didn't. I spoke too soon because it was dismissed in 2011 by a court of appeals. Oh, really? It was. Yeah. Mm. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. And then in the summer of 2007, other people start suing. This time it's like the chief deputy officer, Gary Brown. And this un- there's another officer involved. I don't know his name. I think it's, his name is like Nelthrope or something like that. So in summer 2007, Gary Brown and Nelthrope, Officer Nelthrope, bring a lawsuit for improper termination. Guess why they're saying. And again, it's linked to this case. It's linked to this case. So for Gary Brown, he says they fired him for no good reason. Like he was trying to investigate the party. Remember the party that we don't know if it happened or not? Oh, yeah. How can I forget that party? How can we forget? Right? <laughs> You had a strong reaction to that party. (laughs) I was shocked. We'll never forget that reaction. Well, he says that he was terminated because of that. And then Nelthrope, the other officer on this case, because it's a joint lawsuit, he was trying to investigate the executive protection unit. So basically, they're like the secret service for the mayor of Detroit. Okay. So he was trying to investigate like their illegal activities, and he was also terminated. Hmm. Right. They were successful in their lawsuits, so successful that they walked away with, like, actually a bunch of money. They walked away with a lot of money. Guess how much they walked away with? A few millions? Yes, like... Really? Like, eight million. Wow. Okay, after taxes, my lawyer's out there. (laughs) Not taxes, but also, like, the lawyer's fees. That's about 33%. that's that's true. Then taxes and splitting between two people. But they still probably got at least... A million and change yeah, each, right? Thinking. Okay, so you walked away a millionaire. Um, it's actually that lawsuit that starts this whole beginning of the end chain with Kwame Kilpatrick. Yeah. yeah. Wait till you wait till you get that tea because guess what? We gonna do like this reading thing for you guys in a little bit, and we're <laughs> gonna read text messages. And Norma, you're oh, gonna be <laughs> you can be Kwame, and I'll be his chief of staff. That'll be fun. No, no. I'm not trying to do the whole role play. No. You don't like role play? Just read it to me. Everybody likes role play. Okay. Fine. But (laughs) under these circumstances, just read me the text messages and I'll react. Okay. Basically, she says, let me do what I'm comfortable doing. Let me do my job. Let me do my job and nothing more, nothing less. (laughs) Okay. Fine. Okay. I think we're covered on... The theories, a little bit of, well, not the theories itself, but we're covered on at least like a little bit of background about like the detectives involved in her investigation, the lieutenants involved, and then the lawsuits that come out of like the failed investigation. Right. So we're going to talk about the first theory, which is the unintended target theory with Little D as a shooter. So I'm introducing another new person here, Mike Carlisle. So he was an investigator on the case after the fact. Once it hit, like, the cold case unit. So they called him on board. He starts investigating the case. And he Mm -hmm. says, there's no way Tamara was the intended target here. If anything, it was her boyfriend. Okay? Okay. And, And here's his rationale for this. He says, look at the report. The boyfriend was shot five times. Tamara was only shot three times. I mean, the boyfriend did survive, but he was kind of had, like, a 50 cent moment. He was just... Yeah. He was not dying, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I was wish he shot in the chest. I th- See, I don't even like, know where, where he was, was he shot. shot. 
Honestly, guys, I honestly was thinking about requesting the police report, but I'm going to get to the end of the story. and You'll see why I did not do that. I'm going to read you guys something that makes you go, hmm. It's it's probably probably for the best. It's probably for the best. Anyways, that was one of his reasons why she wasn't the intended target. Okay. He also says, look at the boyfriend's like background. He's a drug dealer, the kind with shmoney, right? And drug dealers have a lot of enemies. As a matter of fact, I came across this article that talks about Eric's car being torched. Guess who torched it? Allegedly. Little D. Little D. It was rumored to have been like torched during summer 2002. Remember, the party happens in April 2000. No, in September 2002. I'm getting the dates confused. And then Tamara's murdered in April 2003. Mm. They were fighting over missing cocaine. And the witnesses who saw the car getting torched said that it was a white SUV who lit it on fire. Remember? And that sounds like Little D's car. That sounds like Little D's car, right? Remember when I said that Tamara shot and whatnot, it was a white SUV that was reported to have like been the shooter. So basically it's not looking too good for Little D. It's not looking good for that. It's not at all. Okay. Okay. At this point, I can see why Mike is saying that Tamara was probably not the intended target. His theories are not like far-fetched. They kind of make sense. Especially with this new thing of Big E's car being torched. I mean, maybe. But there are just so many people who do not believe that. Like her son, in his interview he gave in 2010, he truly does not believe that she was an unintended target. He feels like she was targeted. Okay. So does the family attorney. His name is like, his last name is like Yatuma. He's also very adamant. And there's a a lot of people who have come forward through depositions and affidavits who say the same thing, including detectives. Hmm. Remember Lieutenant Alvin Bowman, who won the $200,000? Yeah. He gives an affidavit where he says he's pretty sure it's not Little D, and it was actually a cop within their department. Hmm. So let's talk about her being the intended target of this. And... Let's talk also a little bit more about, like, why is it Little D? Because I get, like, Little D's, like, affiliation with Big E, but why would he want to kill Tamara? Okay. Okay, he did, supposedly, at this point, I think he really did give her the two black eyes. I mean, Mama Brenda said it, and then Grandma Bertha said it. So, at this point, I'm inclined to believe that he did that. Right. But why, why else would he want to kill her that's the thing that has not really come up in the case but again like not only is this mike carlisle guy like very convinced this little d but police officers accidentally file like a private paper (laughs) publicly in court and the guess what the paper says i'm not sure Okay. Who the murderer is? I, I mean, yeah, no, it does. It does. It says that little D is a shooter. I think it was filed in connection with one of the lawsuits. I think it didn't really say that. So I was just like, okay, are they randomly filing this document in court? Like that's right, not normal yeah. procedure. So I'm thinking it's probably linked to one of the lawsuits. But yeah, isn't that isn't that weird? That is very weird. Right, because like 
it's was been unsolved this whole time right. so like was he even charged okay like what is going on so little d was never charged but you know what's interesting he took a lie detector test we know okay. lie detectors are very very unreliable and it's in a lot of states it's actually inadmissible in court as mm-hmm. evidence but he took the lie detector test and guess what he scored 100 yeah i don't know what it's out of but you know he scored very well he basically it showed that he did not lie wow so he still maintains his innocence till this day but the interesting thing about little d as well let me give you guys some background he's actually serving time right now for a different like murder slash well maybe i think it's actually attempted murder but guess who put him in prison for that murder Detective Mike Carlisle. Oh, yeah. He's out to get Little D. Yeah, but it I, sounds like it. It he's is. like, if I can't catch you on this, I'm, I'm going to get you on someone, someone else. else. I'm going to catch you outside yeah. again. How about that? I mean, it seems like Little D did do that other one, though. Right. No. So, <laughs> so for good reason, yeah. he caught him on the other one. Right. So what else links Little D to this crime? Is there any other evidence that they found? Is it just a white truck? That's true, because honestly, I've only talked about what, like the black eyes, the white truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they found out that his wife actually did own a white SUV at the time of Tamara's murder. Now, at the time of the other events, too, I think. So, okay. But the shooter was also left handed. And of course, little D was left handed. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But that's really. Honestly, that's really all the things that tie Little D to the case. Those are the things. And like I said, he maintains his innocence. Not even her son. Her son adamantly says, like, he does not believe it's Little D. Her attorney, her family's attorney says that he believes that they're using Little D as a scapegoat. As a pawn, yeah. Yeah. Because of all these similarities, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's for you guys to kind of try to assess, like, is it little D or is it not? Right? Yeah. I could see, I I think the only reason that she would be an intended target for little D in the little D situation would be because of whatever fight they had. Maybe he felt humiliated. Right. Right. Or he, or he wanted to get back at her boyfriend. I don't know. But other than that rationale, like, why else would he want to do that yeah i should probably mention something else grandma bertha let slip so and this might feed into the little d theory grandma bertha after her saying you know that he had given her two black eyes Mm -hmm. she said that tamara also told her that she was afraid of him and that she had actually gotten a gun a few days before her murder because she was afraid of him oh really yeah hmm yeah that's That's interesting. It is interesting. And it comes up only in one article. And when I go on her attorney's site, it does not mention this at all. Like that, that part did not come up at all. Oh, and this part is probably important. When they actually get to the scene and they interview Big E, Mm -hmm. he names a shooter. And he says, and guess who he says? Little D. It's a little D. But still her family... Knowing all this information, I mean, there, I mean, it's kind of like sprinkled throughout a bunch of different articles, but knowing all these things out there, her family is still adamant that it's not little D. 
And if it is little D, then bring him to justice, right? Why do you right. think they haven't? Yeah, that that is very bizarre. They have all this information, and yet he wasn't charged. With he was crime. not charged. I'm thinking that they just don't have the evidence. Like, concrete evidence. Yeah. Yeah, so. There you go for those two theories. I mean, that's a real doozy. So did Mike Carlisle ever figure out if the party happened? Oh, right. That's right, because he was put in charge of, like, the investigation after the fact in the late 2000s. So, interestingly enough, he says it didn't happen. But the weird part about it is that he remembers getting a call over the radio Labor Day weekend of 2002. Remember I told you that Tamara, supposedly in the story, had grabbed the radio and called for help? Mm -hmm. He distinctly remembers getting some sort of call and rushing to the scene before being told by his boss that he needed to turn back around and go home and not to ask any questions. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Well, that's a little bit of a cliffhanger. That's a cliffhanger. Well, I guess, anyways, it's time to wrap up these theories. So here we are at theory number three. The cover-up slash the Kilpatrick's issued a hit slash this a whole mess theory, okay? Mm -hmm. So... I think this is a good part to just like kind of dive into the investigation a little bit more because it's important for people to understand that this investigation was seemingly stalled from the beginning. So Marianne Stevenson, at least this is what the Casey Marks book says, but Marianne Stevenson would come to work and the file for the case would be missing, like completely missing, or her computer would be erased of all the, of all the files on her computer. And this was an everyday occurrence? Like, it was enough that it really startled her. And she started to actually keep a second, like, case file at home in a safe. Wow. Yes. That's really, that's something else. Yes, because she said that she, well, the book says this. I shouldn't say she said it. But, I mean, I tried to find her deposition. I couldn't find it online. But it seems to Mm. allude to the fact that she says this in a deposition in one of the lawsuits. Right. But basically, she would, you know, she had to recall from memory a bunch of notes she had taken, interviews she had done, because literally it would be just erased or gone from her desk. It got to the point that the case file then started being kept in like a superior's office. And anytime she had to look at it, she had to ask for permission. That's a little strange. Yes. To say the least, it's very strange. It was even one point where she couldn't even take the case file out of the office. She had to look when she was sitting right there. I mean, now I'm thinking, you know, at first, the first few theories were like, okay, little D. It's little D. Yeah. You know, the white SUV. Right. Left-handed. But why are they trying so hard to keep this under wrap? That's what I'm saying. That's... Yeah, that's tricky. That's a that's, that's tricky. A, that's a yellow flag. That's a yellow flag. That's like a I don't even know. Is a yellow flag like problematic? <laughs> I'm thinking about what the colors mean. The color that's I a mean, red flag, Norma. Yellow flag is sort of like caution, isn't it? Okay, not? so you're so, throwing up a yellow flag because you're like, okay, this okay, is strange. Yeah, you're not like, ready to throw up the I'm red not flag. Ready to- oh, I'm throwing up all the red flags. We have six flags. <laughs> 
So on top of that, remember, Marianne was working with Lieutenant Alvin Bowman at this point. He's fired while they're working on this case together. So it makes it even harder for her because, like, not fired. He was demoted. Right. He was demoted. And then he sues, right? But his demotion occurs actually, like, in early May 2003. Oh, wow. Yes. Like, very early on. That's very early on. Yes. So that's even more of, is is your yellow flag turning red now? Is it orange? it's orange. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) it's orange. So, yes. So now she's, like, kind of doing this investigation seemingly on her own, right? So another thing, the case is moved to the code case unit just a few, like, I want to say a year or so after the murder happens. Mm -hmm. And normal policy at the Detroit like police department at least at that point in time was around two years and when she asks somebody about it her superiors she's basically told to like stop asking questions and then she's demoted she's transferred okay so now this seems you know now are you at red yeah okay we at red guys we're (laughs) this is very very bright red so Yes, it's a red flag. She's transferred to another unit. She's been there for 20 plus years. So the fact that they're doing this to veterans. Right. And this is where it gets even weirder in the KC Marks book. So when Marianne Stevenson is transferred to another like department mm-hmm. in a different unit, she's actually mm-hmm. transferred to the unit that is in charge of like her neighborhood which is interesting because she never really worked in her own neighborhood. She'd always work outside of her neighborhood, which kind of makes sense when you're a cop. Okay, fine. She said that one day over the radio, she hears like a call for her address. And yeah, this is the Casey Marks books, by the way. But she hears a call for her address that there's been a break in. Huh? Yeah. So this happens pretty frequently with her getting 911 calls from the operator saying like there's been a break in. So eventually she goes to her house one day and she finds that her service weapon has been left out on her bed. It was almost like a symbol. Yeah. They were trying to send her They're like definitely sending her, her message, know, a like, message like we know what you know. And if we can get to you, like they want her to know like yeah. we can get you. Yeah. Oh, she retired after this. Oh, really? Yes, that's the T. T is that she retired. I wonder if she, like, moved. I think that's she... something I would not want see, to See, I don't know. Like, in the book, it alludes to her, like, thinking about moving to Arizona, hmm. which seems to be a hot spot for a retirement for great yeah. reasons, great weather. Um, but, yeah. But just see how things are, like, a lot of people are being driven out. The family attorney for Tamara Green says that there was about six people that were either demoted or fired because they were investigating, like, it was linked to her investigation somehow. Whether they were investigating the party or, like, the mayor in some aspect or the, you know, investigation of the murder itself, they were demoted or fired. So this is definitely not adding up. Something is going on. Something is going on. That they're not letting the public in on. uh Uh-huh. But why would the cops and why would the Kilpatricks want this done? Why would they want her murdered? I mean, there is a fact that she did dance at the party. But is dancing at a party... Does that warrant does being that warrant, murdered? I mean, Carlita know? did take a damn table but leg, still. allegedly, 
to her. So to her head. No, there's other ways. Okay, you don't want that out in the public, right? But there's other ways around it. They could have paid her off and said, like, hey. So that's something else that came up. When I was listening to one of these news stations, you know, one of them who try to overcharge me, um, <laughs> basically, the reporter, the, the story actually starts with sh- the fact that she was killed because she was asking them for money. Hmm. Yes, that's how the reporter starts off the story. And I was just like, wait, what? Because I actually had not heard that from, like, anything we've heard that she's got she got paid a thousand dollars to dance that's confirmed by tamika Mm -hmm. in an affidavit right um but apparently could it be that she was blackmailing them i don't know i don't know i don't know I, i i don't know it just seemed like she was not trying i mean my thing is you filed a. She filed a police report. Why would she blackmail them if she filed a police report? Yeah, that like make seem, it make sense. No, that doesn't seem right. Right. I wasn't thinking in terms of her blackmailing them. I think I thought about it as like Mrs. Kilpatrick taking precaution to be like, okay, let me like keep this quiet because I almost knocked this bitch out, or maybe she did, or she didn't. But you know, just to keep that secretive that's what i was thinking she was worried about the wrong one because we're gonna talk about christine Beatty. remember the high school sweetheart that's who she should have been worried about i forgot about that yeah but i think like those are the theories out with why like the kilpatrick's would hire a hit Mm -hmm. but the other thing i should mention is the type of gun used at like during this crime was a 40 caliber gun specifically a glock Mm. and that at the time was like the official gun for the Detroit Police Department. Hmm. Now, is that the only way you could get a 40 caliber Glock? No. Right. But it was like known as being a cop gun at the time. So that's yeah. why they're saying it. And of course, with how everyone is acting, with the, you know, losing the video footage from the from the funeral, the case files going missing, this and that. People being transferred, people being fired. Yeah. I mean, is it so far-fetched to think, like, that it could be a cover-up? Yeah. That's what it's starting to sound like. That's what it's starting to sound like, y'all. I want to know what people think, though. I do. I want to know what people think. Because those are the three theories. But before we wrap up the episode i want to dive into a little bit of what happens with kwame kilpatrick the mayor because i've been like hinting at it hinting at it yeah but I what, really... what happened like as all of this is going on all of this investigation right these lawsuits right what's happening with his political career yes yeah, so his political career was like suffering right so remember he took office in early 2002 mm-hmm. okay and he he wins re-election, shockingly. It shocks a lot of people, but he does. And the mayor stuff, it's like a four-year term, okay? So he wins re-election. He's in office. By 2008, he's out of the office mm. because he ends up in jail, y'all. He ends up in jail. And one of the, like, requirements of this jail sentence is that he has to leave his mayor, whatever, his mayor seat. Okay. So what is he in jail for? Okay. He's in jail. Okay, remember, you guys, the lawsuit I was talking about with, you know, Chief, uh, what's his name, Gary Brown, mm-hmm. and that other dude, Nelthrope. Mm-hmm. 
that's the million dollar lawsuit that right. we were talking about. We dove into the mathematics of it. Yeah, so basically that goes to trial in like the summer of 2007, okay? And at this point, a lot of detectives have been deposed for it and, you know, the Kilpatricks have been deposed. But yeah, it's it actually goes to trial. So now the Kilpatricks and Christine Beatty, they have they're going to testify. Mm. They're being called to called to the stand. I mean, they could, of course, take their Fifth Amendment like they could use. How do you say it? Not use the Fifth Amendment. They could invoke their, invoke their, their Fifth, Fifth Amendment. Amendment right. right. Yes, yeah. I'm an attorney, guys. Believe it or not, <laughs> they can invoke their Fifth Amendment right to, you know, against like self-incrimination, right? Mm-hmm. So, do they do that? No, because as we saw, Kwame, he's a little arrogant. You know what I'm saying? And like, he has something to prove here. He has something to prove, and it just seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. Of course, sometimes he plays it up to the fact that, like, okay, I'm a black mayor i'm young like there's people against me and listen that could very well be the case right we know Mm -hmm. the kind of world world we're living in Mm -hmm. and i think with you know number 45 being president we saw that more and more so it's not far-fetched or anything like that but kwame i mean he did a lot of things that really like i just feel like you can't use that kind of argument anymore like you lost the right to use that argument when you did some stuff that you did yeah Okay, so basically during the trial, um, the trial wraps up, but during the trial, they're asked if they're having an affair with each other. So Kwame is asked this about Christine Beatty, his chief of staff slash high school sweetheart, and she's asked this about him. I didn't realize that she was his chief of staff. Oh, yeah. And high school sweetheart. Oh, yeah. He gave her a job, baby. Wow. He said, yeah, baby. (laughs) I need you by my side. That's some slick stuff. That's some wow. slick stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. We had to really, like, let that digest for a second. Because <laughs> Norma's just like, whoa. Yeah. So, basically, they're asked the same question. I wish I could play the audio of Christine Beatty, you guys. Like, you have to listen to the Crime Town podcast. Or just Google it. Because it's... If you watch it, and now that you know she lied... It's just really funny watching it because she's just like adamant, like, no, I would never do that. I would never. I would never. I was like, okay, girl, you know, lying your ass off. You just, you know, swore on a Bible, but you lying. Mm -hmm. I mean, she did what had to be done. I don't know if she understood the assignment necessarily in this case, but she did what needed to be done for herself. Okay. Of course, he lies too and he says no that's not the case all right so they end up winning and at first they actually win only like six million and change yes and kwame comes out and you guys he says to the press of course mightier like holier than thou speech of like no this was a wrong verdict and i'm gonna fight it i'm gonna fight this because this is wrong okay he settles literally a few days later because his attorney goes and meets with their attorneys Mm -hmm. and their attorney says we have some information on mr kilpatrick and we actually want to settle for more we just want to be done with this case or we're going to release you know whatever okay so what was that information basically they had his text messages they had subpoenaed the text messaging companies and they got all the text messages and those text messages had some pretty 
damning information. Interestingly enough, I never found any text messages that said anything about like Tamara Green, but there were mm-hmm. some text messages about like Chief Gary Brown and him being fired. Um, Christine Beattie saying, oh, we should have been smarter about how we did it. That kind of thing. Something yeah. along the lines of like Chief Gary Brown. But there wasn't anything really on Tamara Green that I saw. Mm-hmm. But anyways, they basically say, you know, we're going to release this. Or if you don't settle, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, he's just like, all right, actually, I want to settle for more. Because technically, I should say this. Let me be clear. They already won the six point something million, right? right. So it's really yeah. like in the back. So really, when they meet with him, it's not necessarily like a settlement conference. But it seems to me like they were basically blackmailing, not blackmailing him, because, yeah. you know, that's not the thing you do as an attorney. <laughs> but they were basically strong handing him, yeah. you know, yeah. at that point and saying, I know we got the verdict. And so we technically don't have to settle with you, but we just gonna tell you what we have. And that made him want to give them more money. But it still came out, you guys. Wait, so did he have an NDA? Yeah, so I don't know. I really don't know because none of this makes legal sense to me, but I'm like a baby attorney. I've only been an attorney for a few (laughs) months, so I can't say. Um, But you would think that there's an NDA involved. But anyways, the Detroit press gets hold of it. And I feel like there's no better time than now to read these text messages for everybody. Are you going to participate, Norma, or no? I'm not. Norma's not into role play. I will be listening with the rest of you. She'll be listening. I just actually emailed this to you because I was looking forward to you reading some of these. But no, it's not. Okay, it's not going to happen. All right. So I'm not going to read all of them. I'll just read like some of them because honestly, some of them were just boring. Um, So here we go. I really wanted to give you some good this morning. What the hell? (laughs) This is Christine Beattie, by the way. And I didn't know how to ask you to let me do it. I have wanted to since Friday. And he says, next time, just tell me to sit down, shut up, and do your thing. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. I should be clear that their affair happened, like, in the first part of, like, his mayorship, apparently. So, I don't know. It only happened for, like, two years and change or something, or, like, one year and change. But it's still juicy. So, I mean, she's his high school sweetheart. So, I mean, like, there's, there's something there's there. There's history. history. There. You got to be careful with people you got history with. Yeah. I mean, remember that MTV show where you like, what's it called? Like you had to bring your ex. You went with your new partner and your ex went with his new partner. And you guys had to stay. You had to stay with your ex. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Remember that show? Remember? I remember it, but I can't remember the I name. I can't remember of it. the name. It's something swap, but basically the theory, the concept was that like I would stay, let me use myself as an example. I would stay with my ex-boyfriend. His new girlfriend would stay with my new boyfriend in a room. Yeah. And I, then at the end you had to basically You basically had to choose. You had to choose. You came down to the beach and I would have to be like either I want yay be or nay. With, I want to yeah. be with my ex. I want to be with my new man. New man. Yeah. It was a messy show. Wow. Yeah. I remember watching that in like seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. It was a while ago. It was it was a long time ago, yeah. guys. This was like 2002, 2003. Anyways. 2002, 2003. We're not that old. <laughs> what the hell? All right. Maybe 2004, 2005. I would say okay. 2005. Let don't, me keep going. Anyways. Us. Then she says, will you marry me? He says, yes, when, all caps. 
I don't know when. All I know is I want you to, I want to be your wife and I want you to be my husband. So whenever our lives permit, just say you'll marry me. He says, and this is all caps, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. I really knew I would be with you since 12th grade, just a matter of time. And then she wrote, I will wait on it. And he said, oh, you're going to wait on it? No. Mm-hmm. This is really sad. Is he married to his wife still? Is this He's not no? still married to her. They're divorced now. I mean, definitely saw that one coming. Yeah, I mean... She tried to stand by him, remember, during... So they don't even end up divorcing until, like, 2018-ish. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. She comes out with him. That's another video y'all can look up, video you guys can look up, where she comes out with him and basically says, yeah, that's my man, and I'm going to stand beside him. No. (laughs) Like the TikTok. (laughs) That's my man, and I'm going to stand beside him. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what she says. She stays with him. I mean, she has three kids with him. But I am a believer in the fact that you might have kids with this person, right? But I just Mm -hmm. feel like don't stay if you're not happy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of that's like old school thinking that you have to stay because this and that. No, no, no. Because the kids like they pay attention to the fact of mom or dad and dad are happy and whether they're happy together. Yeah. Right. And so. I feel like people need to, like, pay attention to that. Anyways, I feel like for her, maybe it was a little bit of that, but maybe it was also the fact that he was mayor. And if she had left him at that point in time, I mean, it was already starting to cave in. This is, right. like, 2000. This At this point, it's, like, 2000, late 2007, early 2008. It's already mm-hmm. caving in. Mm-hmm. And I think she thought to herself, like, if I come out and say, like, you know, I'm done with you and stuff like that, it'll be the end of his career faster. Right. But they, I guess she didn't really realize that, like, basically he was about to go to jail for perjury. Because remember, he was asked this on the stand during the trial. Mm-hmm. And he lied. And so did Christine Beatty. So they end up both going to jail. Not for yeah. too long. Not for too long at all. He had to sign away a lot of other things. Like, I think he had to give up, like, his pension for mayor and stuff like that. So he's thinking everything's all good. Y'all, mm-hmm. why did the feds snatch this man up? On right f- after he went to jail? Right. Like a for few, perjury? Like, no. Right after, yeah. Right after he went to jail for perjury, the federal government comes and snatches this man up. Just to be clear on the dates, he ends up going to jail at first because of, like, the perjury charge. And that happens, right. like, in 2010 when he actually ends up serving his sentence. I think he was sentenced to something like 18 months. I don't think he served all of the 18 months. Mm-hmm. And then it was around 2012, 2013 that he was charged with federal charges. That's when the feds, the feds snatched really him up. Him, huh? Oh, they came for him. They came for his whole life. He got like 20-some charges. What? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking at least 20 years, 20, 30 years. Oh, yeah. He was to... sentenced to like, oh, my gosh, like 20-something years in prison. Let me look what? up the exact number. I'm going to tell you. He was sentenced to 28 years in prison. Damn. Yes. That's but a long I time. I know. That is a long time. 28 years. It was actually, wow. I read an article where it said something like it was one of the longest sentences handed down to like a government official type person, like in that capacity who right. held like a position like mayor. Yeah. 28 years. His mom lost her reelection to Congress at this time as well. 
So he lived with that guilt that he had, like, basically torpedoed his mom's political career. Mm. I mean, Christine Beatty, like, also, I don't think anyone, like, maybe people don't care about her, but, like, I don't know. She also had a hard time. She had an interview with Essence where she basically said, you know, that they came for her and they always come for women, the other woman, and they never come for the man. I kind of agree with that. I mean, look at Monica Lewinsky. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? She was a scapegoat. Um, But, I mean, it's not uncommon for that to happen. But I don't know. At this point, you're grown. She's grown making these decisions. But again, Kwame at this time was like in his 30s. I'm in my 30s and I'm like, I have questionable morals <laughs> still. So I don't know. I don't think it was something as questionable as that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think I, I learned my lesson in high school. Anyways. Um, but you know what's funny that his dad said? His dad just is such a character. He is approached by the press like after Kwame is like, goes to jail for perjury stuff right mm-hmm. and he's like they're asking him what they what he thinks about his son being in jail and he's like my son is in jail for and then he pauses because he's like i don't know if i should say this on tv and they're like no no, no just say it he's like my my son is in jail for some sex what <laughs> He said, my son is in jail for some sex. So when the federal charges comes and now he's serving 28 years, I was thinking, what is his dad saying? Is it still about some sex that your son is in jail? Yeah, his dad is a character. (laughs) His dad is a character. But anyways, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be surprising to some people, but Kwame Kilpatrick is actually out of jail already. He's out of prison and it's not because of time served. He, of course, petitioned Obama for clemency. Okay. Mm. And he was denied. Good job, Obama, denying him. Um, And by the way, clemency means that you're like your conviction sticks. You get out and pardon means like it goes away. Right. Bye bye crime. Okay. So, of course, what does he do? He then petitions Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Trump let him out. Hmm. Yeah. You know what? I, I have okay. I don't know. I have some thoughts, but I won't share it because, you know, the feds are watching. So basically, Kwame's out. He is a free man. The T is that he only has 96 cents in his bank account, at least when he got out. He got out like right before the pandemic, I think. He had only served a few years. Um, was 28 years a fair sentence? I don't know. Mm-hmm. He did. I should mention that he did steal like a lot of money. He used it inappropriately. He bought his wife some things. He bought himself a lot of massages. They seem to emphasize that part, that it was massages. <laughs> massages are expensive, y'all. They are. Like an arm and a leg. He bought his family vacation. So he did a lot of inappropriate things with the money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. But 28 years, I don't know. But, I mean, hey. All of that to say, like bringing it back to Tamara now, no one has been charged for her murder. And so her family is still sitting there in despair. Like her daughter's mm-hmm. interview is so sad to watch. Her daughter gets interviewed like a few years ago when she's 21. Remember, mm-hmm. she was seven at the time of her mom's death. And she literally says like, the reporter is like, what would you say to your mom's killer? Like, And she's like, you mentally damaged me. 
Like, I am mentally damaged because of this. And she just starts crying. Yeah, it's really, really sad. It gives me, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. It's just really sad because, like, you took away a mom, Mm -hmm. a daughter, a friend, just, like, so many things, you know? And it's like, this person. What what was the reason? What was the reason? As Cardi says, what was the reason? (laughs) No, but really, what was the reason? There's no good reason to murder somebody. There's, like, zero reasons. Like, only a demented person could do something like that. You said the Tamir Green lawsuit got dismissed. Is there a reason why it got dismissed? Oh, yeah, that's right. I did say in the beginning that I would tell you guys in a second. I say in a second a lot, by the way. But basically what happened was that it was dismissed because the judge said that there was not enough evidence. There was an evidence of there being obstruction when it came to her investigation, to her murder investigation. But the Mm -hmm. weird thing is that another judge had just fined the city about that investigation. They fined them $200,000 because the city basically had been proven that the city had gotten rid of computers, deleted files, etc. So you have one judge fining the city for deleting evidence and the other judge dismissing the lawsuit because there's no evidence that there was obstruction of justice. Okay, so there's clearly inconsistencies. Yes, there's a lot of inconsistencies right there. and That's a red flag. That's a red flag. And I also did not understand the judicial process behind that, like how one judge said one thing and then the other judge said something else. And these decisions were like literally days apart. So I was really confused. Sometimes they might split up like lawsuits and certain provisions of lawsuits, but I don't know. I didn't learn about that in law school. Did you? You're still in law school. No? Okay. Okay. Not that I recall. Ask that that in your next class. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I guess this is a good time to just turn to the conclusion of this case. So where are we today in the Tamara Green case? So today, like I said, still unsolved. There, you know, there is an award. Um, being handed out. I think the award has reached like upwards of like $250,000 between like the family attorney putting up a hundred grand and like Crime Stoppers or like some random donor putting up another hundred grand and other people coming forward. The award is pretty high. So if you do have any information about the case, you should contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-773-2587. Again, the number for Crime Stoppers is 1-800-773-2587. I want to say before we close out, too, I did promise that I'd read that passage from the book. Remember I talked about the passage earlier? This passage in the book made me think twice about requesting those documents from this case. But it didn't make me think twice about telling this telling the story on the podcast <laughs> on a podcast that's available on so many different platforms i didn't right. i didn't hesitate to do that no of course not um, this is what casey Marx says at the end of the book quote my personal insurance policy is the fact that if i or any member of my family suffer any harm or perceived harm from writing this book there will be consequences <laughs> colon 
10 copies of a document containing my personal conclusions about this case are securely maintained in diverse locations and will be distributed to the media and the internet and the internet both simultaneously and immediately. Names of people that may be involved with this case that aren't included in this book are included in those documents, including enough evidence to support an investigative inquiry of my claims. End quote. Mm. Yeah. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> Did not request those documents. <laughs> I said, not me. <laughs> not me. I mean, I mean, for anyone who does a deeper dive, I feel like the story is worth a deeper dive. And there's a lot yeah. of things that I didn't cover because of time constraints. But the ultimate hope is that the, the case will be solved. Right now, the case is technically reopened by a detective in the homicide investigation unit. Um, his name is Ira Todd, and he says that he does has a, have a suspect in this case and always has. Hmm. And his message in all of this is, I'm coming to get you. Okay. And that's the Tamara Green case. I mean, if we're thinking about the case in general, I mean, this is the first case we did. It's the political affiliations for me. Yeah. It's the messiness for me with that. Very shady. So shady. So where can you guys follow us? You can follow us on Instagram. At it's the, uh, what is our Instagram? It's at, wait, at it's the mystery, mystery for me. me. And Twitter is at mystery for me pod because they didn't have at it's the mystery for me. Like it was too really? long of a name. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, the website is www.isthemysteryforme.com. You can go on there to look at pictures. You can look up the sources. I posted quite a few, basically every single source I, you know, I used on this is on that site in case you're curious. Thanks for tuning in. All right. See you guys next Tuesday. If you want to get spooked, come back next Tuesday, y'all. Peace. (laughs) 